Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. History of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Groundbreakers, history makers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another season. My name is Emma Race, and I am three peat level excited that footy is back. It's been a very long time between hot pies and cold drinks. My football loving Sanctum sisters are here too, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Tess Armstrong. I'm Rana Hussain. And I'm Lucy Race. Oh, and it's so good to be seeing your faces, my loves. But with COVID normal footy, we see hurdles all the time. One such hurdle is that I have come down with a cold, which means I'm back on Zoom, ladies. I'm not in the studio. But uh, all good teams um, can make things work. doesn't matter what kind of hurdles are laid down in their path. And I'm sure that today will be no exception as my voice cracks like I'm heading into puberty. Um, so much has happened since we last saw each other. I was just doing a checklist. I was like, oh, there was a US election of some note. Uh, Australia's on its way to eradicating COVID-19. There's sellouts again for AFLW <laughs> games in round one, which is so exciting. So before we, you know, get into the kicks, marks and hand passes, I wanted to ask you, what's been the biggest deal in your world in the off-season? Because Tess Armstrong, <laughs> you look like you ate a lot of Christmas dinner. I went hard over Christmas. No drinks, but hot pies galore of all sorts. <laughs> I'm in what I'm now referring to the barbecue tongs stage of pregnancy where I'm finding it hard to pick stuff up off the floor. So I've got those long tongs from outside and so I can grab stuff. My mum dropped over a grabber, a use, a one-use grabber to get stuff off the floor if my husband isn't home. And I kind of think, well, that's that lives there now on the floor. And so in about a month and a bit, I'm having a baby. And for the rest of the year, I'm on maternity leave, hanging out with Bobby the dog and said mystery baby and missing all of you for the rest of the year. But I'll see you on socials. <laughs> if the Tigers win, you'll hear from me. I don't think I ever moved beyond the barbecue tongue <laughs> phase of pregnancy. It's so convenient. It and really also, is. mum got me a shoehorn and I was like, what have I been putting my shoes on like a normie forever? So anyway, I'm never doing it again. So that's me. I remember the shoehorn phase of pregnancy and I thought this is the greatest thing that's ever been invented. <laughs> Lucy Race, you don't require a shoehorn and I feel a little ridiculous asking you 
what you've been up to because we've spent nearly every day of the summer holidays together. But how are you, my love? I'm really, really well and um, sad we're not sitting on a beach together anymore. But um, the biggest thing for me is also something that's been big for Emma and that is the creation of a program that we put together called Making the Call, which is all about creating pathways for women in sports broadcasting. So that's been super exciting. It's really inspired us and I know it's energised me and can't wait to get back into um, putting together the second program, which will run later this year. And Rana Hussein, we know that you you were on the um, on the committee for um, making the call, but you also attended all of the seminars, and you've just you're working so much at the moment. I feel <laughs> grateful that we still have you in the sanctum. Your star is rising. It's been a bit. <laughs> I, I I don't know about that, but it's definitely been a busy period. And making the call was certainly a highlight for me over the summer. It was an incredible program to be a part of, um, but. The other highlight for me, which is probably more of a low light, um, was the spider infestation that I experienced <laughs> a few weeks ago in my home. Oh. So speaking of babies, uh, there was a massive huntsman, which I thought, you know what, I'm just going to let that sit there and deal with that later. And then lo and behold, the next morning, I had a million baby spiders oh. dropping from my roof. And so <laughs> when you said to me... <laughs> What? Tell me what was going off on off field in your life. That was lit, that was the first thing that came to my mind. So, did you name them oh, all? Right. <laughs> I was not a happy mum that day that, at all. Your first mistake was leaving the original spider. Yeah. I mean, I get in trouble because I want to get every spider out of the house as soon as I am aware of its presence. Oh no, no spider is living in my house yeah. ever again. No. But I did watch a lot of cricket, and I feel like I'm coming out of a cricket haze now. And it is good to be back <laughs> in the footy world. Um, my highlight was also something about nature, but a little bit nicer than a spider, <laughs> that I have seen dolphins on the regular at the place I've been swimming and there's nothing that makes you feel um, like a speck on in the universe than seeing, you know, actual beautiful animals in the wild doing their thing. I just, it, it really heartened me. I felt like, oh, everything's going to be okay because there's dolphins swimming <laughs> in the beach. And it was really magical. And I, I don't think the magic of it has left me. So I, I think if I could bottle anything from the summer, it would be um, firstly the salad rolls that I was getting from the, from the local general store um, at the seaside town I was staying at, but also the dolphins, Lucy. Is that why you get so excited? when you see mascots because it's like animals <laughs> well do you know what I have a big question coming up because we're going to speak to Alicia Eva and we know that the giants have been you know basically banned on the run but those giant mascots I'm sure they haven't made the cut I don't know if they have we have to find out we'll deep dive it but for now it's time for us to roll up our sleeves and melee ladies All right, since we were last here with our sleeves rolled up, the conference system was scrapped. A ticketing system was introduced for AFLW games. There's so many changes to the game day experience. Lucy Race, you have a hotline to the AFL. Is it a red phone? <laughs> Is it a red phone or brown and yellow phone? What do you know? Tell us everything. No, it's definitely a red phone, like that little emoji. So the most important thing for fans to know is that to attend an AFLW match, you need to get a ticket. So and they cannot be purchased at the ground. So you need to get online. They are $10 if you are over 18. They are free for under 18s and they are free if you have an AFLW club membership. And you might need to just 
um, go back through your correspondence with your own club to work out, you know, what your barcode and, and those sorts of details are. But the most important thing is to know that you need to have that, even if you're free entry, you need to have that ticket to get into a ground. And I think what would be a really useful thing to do is for all of the people who are, you know, so many of our listeners are big AFLW attenders and know all of this stuff, have these conversations with your family and friends so that they also know about it. Because I know that in talking to people um, just over the last few days, I've been surprised at people who haven't kind of been on top of all of this information. I feel like this was personally made for me to just get my act together and get organised with my life schedule because it's forced me to plan ahead. So I feel like, thank you, AFL, for making me schedule my weekends. Well, The other thing, Lou, could I ask, if you're a child... Children don't have to pay for the ticket, do they? But they just, they still need to have a ticket. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. So children, anyone under 18 is free, but you still need to have that ticket or you won't be able to get into the ground. So, And how do they work out how many people can be in each ground and how COVID safe will it be? So this changes around the different states. Um, in Victoria, the grounds um, that we're seeing, say this round, there's a huge difference in capacity. So... We saw Punt Road, the game between Richmond and Brisbane, sold out in about two hours. The capacity there is about 1,300, but the capacity at Moorabbin is about double that, or more than that, my maths is terrible, <laughs> 3,800. There is capacity for about 12,500 people at Cadinia Park and Princess Park, 7,500 people. So the other thing that's happening is that people will be in sections which will allow for COVID-safe spacing of crowds. So do you have any um, idea what happens or has the AFL put out any information about whether the fixture is a fixed fixture or whether Mm. it's always going to be flexible? So the biggest thing that uh, the biggest objective for the AFL is to make sure that we get this season done and working with all of the restrictions at the moment with border restrictions particularly they are just going with a limited fixture at the moment so just the first two weeks and the tickets are only on sale the Monday or in the case of the WA games on Wednesday before that round um, that round happens If things improve in terms of the COVID situation and things look a little bit um, clearer in terms of borders being open, the AFL would love to move to fixturing everything in advance. Um, But it's really just, I guess, having that ability to to pivot. There's that word again. It's all about trying to be nimble and trying to work with what the situation is. Was it in our chat group that someone showed a photo that where they'd bought the ticket for the AFLW game, the image was of the AFLM team. Yes. I think it <laughs> oh, that was on Twitter actually because it was St Kilda um, that when you bought, oh, also St Kilda AFLW team, it's like they're, they're superstars. You've got pictures of them winning from last year. Surely you it's can so sort weird. something out. But, yeah, it was the photo of the men's team. Also not even in, it was in their away strip, which I know is not the issue. But I was like, even if you're going to use St Kilda <laughs> AFLM, like use a traditional jumper. For goodness sake. I did see the, the ticket agency come back and say, yes, we're aware of this. We're working with clubs to get updated images, but oh, frustrating. Work harder. Hey, I know we're talking tickets, um, but 
Can I ask you a question, Lou? I know you've been speaking to the AFL. Um, is there going to be any changes to concussion protocols in light of what happened to Bridstack? And we're, we're still waiting on the Marinoff decision, right, that they go mm. to the tribunal on Thursday for the appeal. Yeah, I think, look, I think concussion is probably one of the, probably the biggest issue facing the AFL apart from COVID this year. And I think it's something that we're going to, to really have front of mind. I don't know whether I should say that, um, as we as we go through both the women's and the men's season. At the moment, it's expected that the AFL will be tightening its guidelines which around concussion, which would apply to both the men's and the women's season. Um, so we just need to keep an eye out for that news. Rana, you are back at the Richmond Football Club. Well, there's been some news out of there over the summer. <laughs> Um, I don't even know how deft I am to be able to navigate that conversation just now, but you're back in the premiership winning club. Um, But the AFLW team is yet to have a win. What are your hopes and dreams and expectations for 2021 season? Well, look, I think we've already had a win because we managed to get Sarah Hosking. So that is a win to start off the season for me. Oh, look, and on ticketing and the fixtures and everything, I do want to shout out to everybody working at the AFL and at clubs because it is a nightmare just working this moving beast of a thing because every single plan has to just be tentative and have a backup and another backup. So it is a lot of work on top of, you know, what has been already a difficult season last year. Uh, Look, there's some things I really want to see this season and as always good contest, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the skills of the new recruits who have had uninterrupted pathways to football. And that's just the most exciting thing for me to think about the next few years and beyond that women's football will just get better and better and better. Like there's just, it is only going to go up from here. So that to me is really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to see how they all fare this season. Like everybody else, I don't want to see an interrupted season and I do want to see a flexible fixture and the AFL work really hard around that and it sounds like they absolutely are. And I do want to see some sellout crowds. I think, you know, for so long we've talked about how many people do love AFLW and I think if we can just keep pushing that and turning up as much as we can and we've all missed football so much especially in Melbourne so I really want to see everybody get out to these games but really something that I want to think about for the rest of the season and I have thought about over the summer and talked to a few people about is how intersectional AFLW is and I want to see AFLW really lean more and more into that space because I think we've had a few years now of setting ourselves up and yes, we always will battle, you know, the men's game and there will be so much that we do fight for, but we talk about AFLW as being an inclusive space and I really want to see the AFL lean into that now and clubs lean into that now and uh, I will certainly be asking those questions season long. The thing is, Rana, I've, I reckon you've probably found it frustrating like I have that COVID has laid down so many challenges when we're talking about equity across intersectionality and gender in sport because, you know, there's just money's just disappearing down the drain with, um, with the restrictions that COVID's placed on sport. And so I've found that really hard. I feel like that's something we're going to butt up against constantly. I guess the place that you would look for um, the you know, the grassroots of and the and the 
new shoots of intersectionality in footy would be grassroots footy and community footy tests. That's going to be a big story this year because there was no community footy, at least in Victoria last year. But across the country, it's really been... um, you know, it's, it's had its challenges. Yes, and to the old adage, you don't know what it's got till it's gone, many communities probably didn't potentially took for granted their community footy connection until it wasn't there anymore, and perhaps the AFL did as well. And one thing, like Rana said earlier, she's been in the cricket bubble, and so have I, watching so much cricket from my couch, like, non-stop. And I've just been... I'm always impressed with cricket in their coverage of how many times local clubs are mentioned. So Big Bash is so... <laughs> glamorous is <laughs> the wrong word, but that's how I say it. a glamorous product, right? It's like, yeah, click colourful, and fast yeah. and colourful and all of those things. And like the sixes all the time and there's money flying everywhere and you get it, money if you catch it and whatever. And then if old mate hits 100 sixes, then Bacchus Marsh Cricket Club gets all this money and they talk about their community clubs all the time. And my husband's been playing cricket and we've been involved in the cricket club over summer and I just love it and I feel like it is hu- It is a gaping hole in our AFL coverage where we don't even discuss where these players have often come from, their stories, unless it is seen as a, you know, a valuable story or they win a Brownlow and so the news crosses back to their original club or something like that. But we have huge connection and community connection, particularly in regional towns around the country, with our clubs, and that's our, that's the main game for a lot of people, and it never translates, whereas the AFL has a connection, you know, contractually with all of these leagues around the country. And so I would love to see a huge emphasis, little stories about the person who runs the club who's been the boot stutter at that club in Western Australia for 50 years at halftime rather than watching a gambling ad. If every gambling ad was replaced by a 30-second spot about a local footy club, that would be my dream come true. And it would be lovely yeah. if that is from those clubs around the country, yes. not just Victorian yes. yeah. Central. Yes. It's the Australian... You do feel that, don't you? Yeah. When they, whenever someone wins an award, they always do that. Oh, I'm just a bloke from, you know, Leangatha. But they're all just blokes and chicks from Leangatha. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, no, there's not one suburb that is the footy heartland. Do you know what I mean? Like, so we always lean on it for the storytelling when they've been successful. I I agree. It would be lovely to see that more in every game day. And in particular commentary teams, there's a lot of emphasis on what private school the boys went to. So imagine if every time a player was mentioned, we said what local club they played for instead. That would be, um, I think, generous and a great way of kind of growing the game. Speaking of which, if you haven't seen The Merger, which is a great movie about community footy club, it's on Netflix. So you should check it out because it's there. (laughs) And it talks about the importance of a local club. And one other little plug for Siren Sport. I don't know whether you saw over summer an incredible in-depth look at Queensland football and just the the really rich history. And I think what we're seeing with Gold Coast and Brisbane is success that's built on really solid foundations. So I'd highly recommend you go back and have a look at that incredible work that Sirens did. Yeah, they did an amazing job. The thing I'm most looking forward to, um, I've got to just add in there, is a single ladder. I just feel like it's going to be so much cleaner. And people don't have to put up with us trying to work out which (laughs) conference each of the teams were in and they ended up playing each other across conferences anyway. So just to be able to compare apples and apples 
not apples and oranges. Uh, and I'm looking forward to just having that one ladder. It just it's so in my footy DNA, don't you think? But you know, I mean, the game the games actually start tomorrow, which seems completely surreal that we are just on the eve of it. So let's actually do some footy talking. I'm Chelsea Roffey. You're listening to the Outer Sanctum. Given COVID restrictions meant that many of us, well, nearly all of us, couldn't see any actual footy last year, we wanted to get the heads up on uh, the players to watch and who's been performing well in other states. And you know how much we love footy-talking women here at the Sanctum. Gemma Bastiani is an AFLW footy analyst, co-founder of Siren Sport and Play on Radio, two independent media outlets that promote women's sport. And we are so excited to have her in the Sanctum for the very first time. Hello, Gemma. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You must be pretty excited that footy is kicking off because it really is your season when it's the AFLW season and you're so busy. Tomorrow night we're going to see um, Collingwood Carlton start the season at Princess Park. I can't wait to see Mimi Hill, who I've heard has the cleanest hands in the league, which is a real COVID footy double play. Can you tell <laughs> us something about Mimi? Yeah, so Mimi Hill is um, she's actually my dark horse for the Rising Star Award, actually, because of everything I've heard out of everyone that's possibly seen her. Um, clean hands is a is a skill, is a is a technique, I guess, that in the AFLW is uh, something to be developed, I think, across the playing playing group. But she's got it; she's there already. So that's going to put her head and shoulders above most other first year players this year. Um, she's just a smooth mover, and she's the perfect replacement for Chloe Dalton, actually, who's inactive um, with her Rugby 7 commitment. So it's, um, it's, it's a pretty exciting prospect to be able to watch her play. There's a few other first-year players that we've got to keep an eye on, and let's not just talk about Victorian sides. Um, Ashley Woodland, she's technically not a first-year player because she actually played a year for Melbourne. She played four games for Melbourne in defence in 2019. She was redrafted. Um, by Adelaide this year as their third draft pick in South Australia. And she kind of reinvented herself as a, as a forward slash mid, like a big bodied mid um, in the Sandful when Victoria didn't really have any footy going on. The Sandful was still happening. Um, she's going to be a really reliable shot on goal, but I think she's going to be really important in connecting that really strong midfield group at Adelaide with a forward line that we know can fire, but, but wasn't able to do the job last year. So I think she's could be that conduit between the two, which is really exciting. Um, and then back to Victoria, because we've all got to talk about Alyssa Bannon, um, as you know, Alyssa <laughs> Bannon is very exciting. Um, it's been announced that she's debuting, which I think everyone expected, but it's official now, which is awesome. Um, she was the third draft pick in Victoria, um, last draft. And I think there's a few people that surprised she wasn't, you know, the first draft pick in Victoria. She's really mature. She's really clever, really smart. Um, and, and she's got that goal sense, but the thing that I think sets her apart from a lot of the other forwards that were like marking forwards that were in the draft last year is her speed. She's they they compare her to Sinead Goldrick at Melbourne, but you know she could replace that um, Alicia Newman role when with Alicia Alicia Newman having been traded to Collingwood in the off season. So she kind of re- is a dual player replacement in a way. Um, and, and Melbourne's forward line has really needed someone that can be reliable in front of goal. So she doesn't need a lot of touches to have a really big impact on a game. So as a Melbourne fan, that is <laughs> incredibly exciting, which I imagine Lucy feels the same. <laughs> Got a smile on my face here, Gemma. 
<laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, and then uh, obviously Jess Fitzgerald, she went at number two in Victoria. She's good mates with um, Gabby Newton. Um, she's a clean, smart outside midfielder, and I think that's kind of what put her over the edge for the dogs in terms of selecting her over Bannon. The, the way she's going to be able to kind of work with Gabby Newton, who was last year's first draft pick, um, is actually just going to compound both of their ability and, and having that duo, you know, we don't like to compare to the men's game too much, but think Raul and Anderson. They're more valuable as a pair than they are individually, um, and that's what we're going to see from those two. <laughs> and they've got great it's diary, so <laughs> diary <sorry>. writing skills. <laughs> I can't see anyone's face, so I'm just assuming you're all making faces <laughs> at each other at this point. <laughs> I love it when two are better than one. It's actually a fantastic. It's so merely vanilla, but without the mind. It's Franco Cozzo sale at the end of the year. Two for one special, which is fantastic. And Gemma, let's head north. What's been happening at Brisbane? Who do should who should we be looking out for? Yeah, so Courtney Hodder is such a fascinating story, and I'm surprised we haven't seen more talk about her actually um, this off season. She's been signed by Brisbane as a cross-code rookie, um, which everyone's going to watch her play and be like, how is she a cross-code rookie? She, she's an agile, aggressive, quick, kind of really skilled athletic player who has spent a couple of years playing rugby, um, rugby union I think it's called. I should be really careful about my rugby's. Um, she was kind of tracking really well as a junior to be a high draft pick come to her draft age and all that sort of stuff, but she drifted across, played rugby for Queensland, I think WA. She broke her leg and um, during her rehab process, Brie Brock, who we all love, and um, Craig Stasevich, very aware of her, have had been trying to kind of draw her back to footy. And in her rehab process of her leg, she kind of got the bug again, and um, which is probably something I shouldn't say in these times right now. But um, <laughs> she was finally convinced to come back. And because she'd spent two years out of the game, she um, was eligible to be signed as a cross-code rookie, which is just a massive bargain. I think that's a testament to Brie Brock and Craig Stasevich and the work they did prior to the AFLW in Queensland's footy talent pathways to be aware of her to then draw her back to the game. So that's a that's a big win for footy. It's also a big win for the Lions. Uh, Gemma, it's Rani here. Tess and I are dying to hear a little bit about Ali McKenzie, but I also, I, I also just wanted to ask you if you're Richmond or West Coast, who, let's face it, we didn't have great seasons last season. What, are, what do we have to look forward to? Well, West Coast, I, the answer I think is very obvious. And the answer is Ashling McCarthy. Um, so last year, West Coast didn't have a player kick more than two goals for the season other than Hayley Bullis. Um, all their other goal kickers were individual goal kickers. I think there were nine of them. Um, but Ashley McCarthy, she can hit the scoreboard in the practice match. She kicked three goals. She's also a great outside mid, and that's something that West Coast really needed last year they didn't have. They've got those strong contested players on the inside, but on the outside they just lost control of the ball. Ashley McCarthy can be that player. She can also help other players improve in that area and then she can also go forward and hit the scoreboard so two of their big problem areas Ashley McCarthy is the answer to that um not to put any pressure on her or anything um Richmond <laughs> Ellie McKenzie's amazing the idea of Katie Brennan playing forward is really exciting to me so I hope that happens um and, and that's the thing I think their big challenge this weekend is going to be against such a smart defensive unit in the Lions and Kate Lutkins and players like that 
the the Richmond forwards need to play smart footy and and as a unit they can't play individual footy and hopefully that forward line can kind of work themselves out in that respect and really challenge Brisbane's defence to not be able to play the game they want to play, but to kind of be really accountable to their individual player. And I think that would be the biggest improvement we'll see in Richmond this year. Thanks so much for all of that, Gemma. Before we let you go, we have to put you on the spot and get your (laughs) tip for who you think is going to be Premier and who you think will be runner-up. Oh, that's I hate answering this question. It'll it'll be it'll be a free on Carlton in the grand final, I reckon. Um, it's hard to go past Frio just because when the game is in the balance towards the end of a game, they just don't stop. Um, but Carlton are going to be really good this year. They're going to be really good, Gemma. You've just made my day by saying that. You know I love those blue baggers so much with my whole heart. Thank you so much for joining us today and good luck for the season. We'll check in with you again during the season. But people can follow Gemma's expertise via Siren Sport, play on radio, and she's amazing on Twitter. She's always pumping out the stats and facts on Twitter in a way that we just can't do. Happy AFLW Eve, Gemma. Thanks for having me, team. Have a great time. I'm Sam Moston, and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. You know, ladies, there's been so many chicanes that COVID and the world have laid down for AFLW and GWS in particular. I've been thinking about Alicia Eva um, leading her team through the death of Jacinda Barclay and then the awful um, injury that Brid Stack um, sustained where she broke her neck in the practice match. And I was thinking... She'd be a great person. We should definitely speak to Alicia Eva. Let's give her a call and see how she and GWS are going on the road. Hi. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. No, not at all. I'm going well. Um, heading off to the season launch shortly, so... Um, when the club said, oh, they're out of sanctum, want to chat to you. I was like, oh, amazing. Love the out of sanctum. So, no, easy. Oh. Well, that's a bit lovely. Alicia, <laughs> we're just... Like, let's just get into it because I've been thinking about you guys so much. The last 12 months has been so hard for everyone. But for GWS, you've, like, and now you being the captain as well, you've just had so many challenges. I was thinking about when the New South Wales border closed. I would love you to take us into that moment. How quickly did you have to pack? And then packing from Albury to Adelaide, like, you know, like you've just stolen something and you're all on the run. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's been a little bit like that. So um, I'll take you back to December, actually, to pre-season training. So it was before Christmas. And um, I think it was a Wednesday or a Thursday, and we were meant to train on um, Friday the 18th. And we were we were supposed to be training up in Sydney up until the 23rd of December. Um, and then there were a few cases that started popping up in the northern beaches, and the club actually just said to us, look, in order for interstate girls to get home over Christmas, we think you need to go now. Um before they start closing borders and before these numbers rise. Um, so on the 18th of December, I like madly packed my my suitcase and looked up looked up flights to Melbourne. And of course, flights jumped up to about $400 in the space of five minutes. So I jumped in the car instead and headed down to Melbourne. And um, originally, just thought we we would be there for uh, you know around 10 days. And then obviously things got worse in the northern beaches in Sydney and then and across Greater Sydney. So so. The week of Christmas was actually really stressful. It was supposed to be a week off, but um, we had poor old Bree Harvey on the phone every every five minutes and, and Al as well, um, trying to coordinate where we would be when we returned. So plans actually changed probably two or three times that week 
Um, we originally thought we would be training in Melbourne and the other half of the group would be stuck in Sydney. Um, then we were told we needed to get back up to Sydney as soon as possible. Um, and then on the 29th of December, um, we were told, in fact, everyone's getting to Aubrey on the 1st of January. So we had our bags packed, um, but we didn't know where we were going. Um, massive shout out to Brie Harvey as well. We're a long-time fan of hers and, and the amount of work it takes to get all those moving parts going. Just how mm. compromised do you feel your pre-season has been because of all those moves and changes? Um, I'd be lying if I said we weren't compromised a little bit, um, but at the same time I think we've been able to make up significant ground the last, um, I guess, the last two weeks since being in Adelaide and that's been... Um, it was a whirlwind getting to Adelaide. There's a whole other part of the story of cancelled flights and whatnot and the extra night in Canberra. And, you know, that it was stressful and it has been stressful um, and things perhaps haven't been as easy as they could have been. But I feel like once we've settled in Adelaide, we've been able to, to, to kind of really focus in on things that we needed to fast track. Um, and I think it was tough. Over Christmas, it was tough at half our squad. We really were split in half and we had Heapshaw come down and coach the Melbourne girls and um, of course Alan was looking after the Sydney girls in Sydney that could actually go to the club so I guess in terms of match sim um, and just being able to train with big numbers that's where we probably lost out um, but we've had some some really good trainings over the last two weeks we had a, a practice game against Adelaide and we had some more matches last weekend as well so we feel like we're in a good spot um, and I'm just really really proud of how resilient our group has been and how we've been able to switch into footy mode and, and train really well, um, despite a few things going on in the background. Hey, Alicia, it's Lucy here. Um, yes, you're a resilient group. And I just want to say that, you know, we're all so sorry for the loss of your friend and teammate, Jacinda. And I know that the Sanctum listeners would want us to express their sympathy to you and the mm -hmm. team. It's a hard thing to talk about, but I'm wondering if there's something that you're able to share about the impact that Jacinda had on all of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we certainly, as, our group, as a group, we want to talk about Jacinda and we want to talk about who she was as a person, first and foremost. And she was an incredible person and I think an incredible athlete. She was so colourful. She, you know, lived life um, to the fullest and walked to the beat of her own drum. And, you know, sometimes that she did things very differently to how they have been done in sport before. And, and I think that actually opened up a lot of our eyes. Um, to how different doesn't doesn't mean worse. It can most definitely mean better. For me as captain as well, to be able to work with Cinder, um, I feel like I've experienced a lot of growth in in a number of different areas from the one-on-ones I had with her. And, yeah, it was a really, really tough time for our group. And, you know, the, the most important people in all of this have been just in this family. And then us as a club, we've really had to, to come together and, and process something that, you don't want anyone to have to go through. Um, the challenging thing for us was that we have girls in Ireland, we had girls down in Melbourne, we had girls in Adelaide, and then and I guess the core group was, was in Sydney. And um, being able to support everyone when geographically everyone's here, there and everywhere has been really difficult. And it's meant that, you know, the timing of grief has been different for everyone and how we go through that process. And, and truth be told, there are still girls that are going through that grief process. It's something that's really unique and individual for everyone. But um, we feel like the club's um, been great in supporting us. Like I said, I'm really, really proud of our playing group and how we've been able to support each other. Um, and, yeah, I guess our priority this season is to, to honour Jacinda in the way we play our football and the way we go about 
um, things in 2021 and make sure that her family know how much of a valued member she was um, and, and how, how dearly we, we miss her. When, um, Alicia, just my deepest condolences to you. I also lost a friend during COVID, um, during lockdown, and we've all had to grieve separately. And someone said to me recently, grief comes at you in small pieces and, and it comes at you at all different times of the day and it comes to people in different moments. And, and she said it comes at you like that because if it came at you all at once, it would actually kill you. And it's really resonated with me about why I have moments where I dream about my friend and I think about her in certain moments, but not in other moments. And I just wanted to offer that because I found it really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. We all know what 2020 was and for people to go through um, death in isolation is <laughs> just, it's really difficult. Um, and and I, I know a lot of our girls have been doing a lot of work in the background and have been seeking support that they wouldn't have thought otherwise um, to be able to, 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 I guess, face the challenges that we've had. Um, and I think for us as well, grief comes in all, in all different forms and, and anger is part of that. And sometimes um, you don't know what you're angry at and you don't know who you're angry at and you don't know if you should be angry. And that's something that we've had to manage too. It's been a priority of ours to look after each other, to look after the, the family um, and to make sure that we honour Jacinda in, in the way that we um, think is most fitting. Alicia, we were also just so shocked by the injury to Brid Stack. Um, how's she doing and how tough is it to parent a toddler when you've got a broken neck and you're in another country? <laughs> <laughs> the Irish must have something in their blood because she's like Cora when Cora <laughs> broke her leg in three different places Um you know, the reality is she's in a neck brace at the moment um, and she'll be in that for the next little while, uh, but she's committed to to getting back to playing a game. That's that's her goal and, you know, we, we've got to be really supportive of that and obviously our, our medical team are, are doing a fantastic job in making sure that um, she feels supported and um, and can, can start the process back to to, to training and, um, you know, I, I, I don't know how long that will be, but um, I can't tell you how good she's been from, for our group, um, even before the injury. She's very stoic. She's very bold. And um, our, our Irish girls, maybe it's just ours, but they seem to be a bit stubborn. So um, <laughs> they've been fantastic. But, yeah, Stacky, it's, she was she was playing an absolute blinder, um, the, the injury um, you know, an unfortunate incident. Um, there was, I was probably a little bit disappointed with some of the commentary that, that trivialised um, what happened. The important thing and what I really wanted to shine light on is that someone suffered a pretty significant injury and there were two outcomes and fortunately the better of two outcomes has occurred but it's still quite a significant injury and she needs support around her. So that's what my priority is, to support her family and she's got 30 different babysitters at the moment so... She's um she's looking after little little Augie, we call him. Little Augie. It's something that she's balancing really well. Um she rocks the neck brace better than anyone. So yeah, we'll see we'll see how long the recovery process is, but she's been great for our group nonetheless. Alicia, when an injury like that happens, which is so serious because she's broken her neck playing footy, do shockwaves go through all of the players and do people start wondering whether they should be out there at all playing? It's such an unfortunate incident. And we know Incidents like that can occur in the game, and um, it was, it, you know, it was quite shocking. And it happened really late in the game, and you know, when a game's called off, and then, and then you you see that your teammate is in a, in a fair bit of trouble, minds can wander, uh, and that's when you know I'm really proud of our leaders that, that that stood up and kind of took control of that situation, and 
it can be pretty scary and I think that night it, it was pretty scary when we weren't really sure what was going on and the club made sure that we had the appropriate support um, with us at the, at the hotel whilst we were kind of waiting to hear um, how things were going. But we have absolute faith in our coaching staff and our medical staff that we're being coached appropriately and we're being looked after appropriately to make sure that we as athletes are um, <laughs> getting through games um, unscathed and unfortunately injuries are part of sport. So um, we acknowledge what what's happened and um, we, we support Stacky, but also there's a, there's a bit of work that's gone on in the background with our other players who, mm. who I guess were part of a pretty stressful scene. Alicia, it's Rana here. And as you say, injuries are part of the sport as a tribunals and appeals. And I know that's nothing compared to what Brit's gone through, but I'm just interested in how you guys are feeling ahead of tomorrow night. To be honest, we're not really um, we haven't really commented or, or have any opinions or thoughts on the tribunal or the, or the appeals process, and that's you know every club's entitled to that process, and um, yeah, that's really all I can say on it. To be mm. honest, Rana, sorry, I'm just <laughs> I'm fair. focusing on, on other pieces. I had to ask. I mean, listening to yeah. you talk and hearing about the pre-season that you've had, like that is just so much for a playing group to go through. I'm interested in what you, as a leader, draw on to get your team through stuff like that. Great question. <laughs> and there's been times where I've had to sit back and go, wow, here's another one. Here's another challenge. Firstly, I'm a captain, but the sole responsibility of leadership doesn't um, just fall on me. It falls on the leadership group in it. And I think we've made a really um, big focus this year of trying to, to grow and develop the other girls on our list to really step up in that space. And particularly given the environment that we're in, you know, there are going to be moments where some of our leaders will need to step away and, and have some of their own time, um, and that's where we need other girls to step up, and I think that's been really important, and we've certainly come along in leaps and bounds in that space. You know, I've spoken to quite a few different people. Uh, I spoke to Craig Bellamy last night, actually, um, around hub life and, and how Melbourne Storm approached it, and what seems to keep coming across is we're, we're in a situation where we knew we were going to be moved from Sydney, um, and we've known that from December 18th. So we can either, uh, I guess, continue to nitpick and I shouldn't say nitpick, but we, we can we can really dwell on that or we can focus on what's ahead, which is round one. What's really important in that, though, is actually acknowledging the challenges that girls are going through. Um, we have girls that are working nine to five still. Um, we, have, we have girls that aren't working at all um, and a lot of time to kill. So acknowledging those different um, circumstances and challenges is really important and allowing your players to feel heard and their frustrations to feel heard. Um, and then when we need to get on get on with footy, we're switched on and, and um, we're trying to roll with the punches. Alicia, it's Tess here. And of challenges, the first round to come up against Freo, who last year kind of blew everybody's mind in the competition. Mm-hmm. Is that exciting to you as a leader and as to the and, and for the group to get that to be your first challenge? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um Way back in December when they, or, or November, I can't remember now, when they announced the fixture and we had Fremantle round one, there was an overwhelming excitement within our playing group around getting over to Perth. Um, we knew it was going to be a, an emotional game with a, a tribute game for Jacinda. And it's been something that we, you know, we didn't get to play Fremantle last year. Um, we really love coming up against really solid teams and we love the challenge. And, and look, we know that Fremantle are, are, are really... They're a contested ball side. Um, they, they crack in, they tackle pressure through the roof and they love getting the ball out the back and, and scoring, running into goal. So, that, you know, we've done a fair bit of homework on them. Um, we know there's, it's going to be, there's probably some things that are going to look a little bit different, but we're confident in um, in our preparation and 
yeah, it's, we can't wait to crack in. I think there's, there's been a growing frustration <laughs> with our group um, being, you know, moving here, there and everywhere. So being able to settle in Adelaide has been really great for us and uh, we are absolutely keen to, to crack in. Alicia, we can't wait to see you play. One final one, I know you've got a dash because you've got to get to the launch of the season, um, <laughs> but the, we love the Giants mascots. They get a lot of love <laughs> and a lot of traction on the Outer Sanctum socials. Are they? Did they make the trip? <laughs> Is there any room for them to be travelling the country with you? Well, you know what? Uh, I haven't seen them yet, but I do hope so because, um, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, Gigi and, and G-Man, yeah, they are um, – figures of the club so I'm hoping they pop up somewhere on the weekend but um yeah we've got Alan Alan's driving the, the logistics van at the moment and um there's not much room in there but I might have to ask him and he might he might tell me to rack off he's got he's got other things to focus on but I might throw that we in we'll keep a close eye on Al McConnell's <laughs> carry-on luggage because yeah. it might be bigger than usual Alicia <laughs> Eva captain of GWS thank you so very much for having such an in-depth and earnest um, and emotional conversation with us all. We send you lots of love for the season. Thank you very much. Uh, hope to see you guys soon and um, enjoy round one. Oh, that was Alita Eva there. Of course, GWS play Frio, which is not something I would be ready to do to play Frio, but I'm sure that they're going to be in the headspace. But I did want to mention over the summer, one of our listeners, Georgina Hibbert, released a book about the Giants 2020 season. It's called Never Surrender. And I just wanted to say congratulations, George. That's amazing, isn't it, ladies? It sure is. And people can buy that online. So Georgina has self-published that. And um, I think all sports fans are going to want to read it. Absolutely. And it makes me feel inadequate about how I spent lockdown because I did like 150 puzzles. And Georgina just like wrote a book and put it out. So right. anyway, we've all got stuff on. Well done. Yeah, it's added to the mile high pile of books on my bedside <laughs> oh, table. Yes. It sure is taking fandom to the next level, isn't it, <laughs> writing a book? <laughs> Hey, um, you know, one thing we love about women's footy is the community of women who, despite lining up against each other for premiership points, have these rich backstories of friendship and um, and they've played with each other for so many years. They've got all these amazing stories about each other. Julia Kiera knows all the players and knows who knows who. Uh, and she's mining those stories for us this season. And she's kicked it off with an epic duo of Darcy Vessio from Carlton and Megan McDonald, the newly appointed captain of Geelong, who are housemates. And she caught up to say, thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. Thanks, Emma. So thank you for joining us uh, for the first segment of Thank You For Being A Friend. So I've known both of you since our days at the Darren Falcons, but it started before that. So you both have five questions in front of you that you're going to ask each other and we'll get to know you a bit more. So Darcy, let's start. Thank you for being here, Meg. <laughs> Thanks, Darcy. Meg, where and when did we meet? Spoiler alert, we met at the Australian Open. We were both ball kids, but we didn't meet. So we didn't meet being ball kids. You met my, my little sister as a ball kid. And then we got into a ball kid supervision. You're a yeah. little bit younger than me. Mm, I got knocked back. So <laughs> I was at sea in that job for maybe three years. And then you came along. In my head, it all accelerated when we did that one month gym 
intensity thing mm. together. Yeah, yeah when we were like, oh, we can be friends outside of <laughs> the ambassador role. <laughs> well, you showed such enthusiasm in the gym class. I was like, I need, a, I need more of that. Um, yeah, and then I, guess got in, I got into footy through um through darcy yeah Yeah. makes my greatest footy achievement so you say (laughs) we'll get to that question later (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks um okay darcy what's your favorite footy memory of us it would probably be a falcon memory i would think i don't have on-field memories that come to mind yeah most of my memories are around footy with you so brunch at jerry joy cafe before a game yes i remember seeing you the morning after that first game at icon the first ever aflw game and i think we went and got coffee and i think that's a you might not remember that i remember that because um hadn't seen you after the game and then saw you the next morning you kicked four goals had a good one Mm -hmm. instant star still went and got coffee with me (laughs) (laughs) i think that's why we're such good friends because of those little those little, those stuff. little stuff. Yeah. Okay. Darcy, um, what's something about my footy game that you admire? Mm. I was nervous reading this question. Really? Yeah, I was nervous. Why are you nervous? Pretty game. Well, I think you're extremely good at sticking to a task, I think, on field. I feel like you, if you're given a, uh, like your direct opponent, like you would really study them and understand them as a player and understand what you need to do on the day. I think that's on the field. I think you're a very calm head. You read the play really well. And yeah, you're obviously a great defender because of a combination of those things. Around footy, I think the dedication you put into preparation is extreme. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're the things I They're very kind things. Thank you, Darcy. And now... Another question for Meg. Okay. <laughs> when we have played against each other, yeah. have you given away all the secrets to beating me in the team meeting? <laughs> and what do you think they are? What is that? <laughs> We're going to play each other in two months. Oh, gosh. This is a direct friendship, teammates in conflict. Obviously, you are one of my favourite, maybe my favourite player. So it's, I just convey a lot of respect. (laughs) (laughs) We've broken it. (laughs) Yeah, I would say a few things about how I think they should go about it, but it's more things where I think if they were to say, think that getting stuck into you was going to work for them, I would be like, I don't think that's going to work. I think that'll fire her up. I think you need to... Play a little bit smarter footy than that, because um, old Darcy's pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty mentally strong on the field, and we don't need to light that fire. I'll give you that one. I've said that before. <laughs> I've also said you stay on her, I'll stay on Taylor. All good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough one. All right, Meg. Sorry yeah, gosh, me. none, none on my list. Are, I don't think they're quite that tough. All right, Dars. Um, when do we laugh the hardest together? I think when we're both in a really silly mood. <laughs> Sometimes we get in really silly moods and it can just be, I don't yeah. know, when we start taking the piss out of each other and it just, 
escalates. It just keeps going. Also, just when you get that look on your face. Yeah, you you always look at me and you're like, you got that look. Yeah, you got that look. Cool. I think you're up next. Yep. Meg. Darcyan. <laughs> Meg Laura. Yes. If I got a bad haircut, <laughs> would you honestly tell me why or why not? I think what you've taught me, honestly, this is a serious answer, is you are very ill-inclined to make any comment on people's appearance and I don't think I, I I think I do it more freely and I think I have learned from you the um virtue in not doing that and how you know how damaging it can be so with that in mind if you loved it I'm all for it I probably I do comment on your hair a little bit but Mm. I hope you know it comes from an enthusiastic support Mm. of you know what you do but it's because it's iconic. I think you're a pump-up kind of girl. Thank you. I think, I think you sense in people if they're a little bit unsure and then you get around it and make them feel more comfortable. Having said all this, you've never tested me on the hair front. I've just come from a haircut, ladies and gents. Oh, oh your hair looks really nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, all right, thank you both. Oh, we're still for, going. No, we're, we're, yeah, we're done. Sorry. Thank you both for uh, participating in the first season. Of, uh, thank you for being a friend. And uh, good luck this week. Oh, I'm already loving that new segment. I'm going to have that song as an earworm for the rest of the day. I think. We're at the end of the show. We've got to get ready. We've got to um, pull our socks up and make sure we know where our mouth guards are. For final business, I just wanted to mention how great it was to see so many football and sports people recognised in the Australia Day honours and on Australia Day because, again, proving that sport has this unbelievable power as a vessel for cultural change. And I think that that's demonstrated. There were so many, Lou. There were. And I just want to say congratulations to Eleni Gluftis, who got, a, she was awarded a Medal of the Order of Australia for Services to Australian Rules Football. But there were a number of friends of the pod who also had honours. And we would just like to say congratulations to Sam Moston, to Lisa Alexander and to Craig Foster. Uh, we all think so highly of you. And these are very well-deserved awards. And shout out to AFL's own Tanya Hosh for being nominated for Australian of the Year and Taylor Harris for being nominated for Young Australian of the Year. I know, it's amazing. It was so exciting to see them there. We also have some really exciting um, team news, and that is, of course, we have a new team member. Welcome, Nadia Hume. She's our new producer. She's been on the pots and pans this morning, and um, we can't wait to have a season with you, Nadia. We're going to do a deep dive because she used to play football, so you'll be hearing more from Nadia soon. But thank you so much for all you've done over the summer, and we can't wait to hit the season running with you, Nadia. And finally, Rana, I know you'll have something else coming up this <laughs> week what have you got going on oh look we chatted with Gemma Bastiani earlier and I just wanted to say that she and I will be reviewing every round on Instagram live for play on radio so that's on Sunday nights at 8 30 if you want to tune in yes we'll totally be there with the popcorn gif um, of us <laughs> eating the popcorn <laughs> and watching um socials are so exciting our socials have ramped up and you can get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and we'll be really active. A few of us will be in the outer 
I'll be there as long as I get rid of this cold. But for now, it is time for us to get out of here. There's only one thing left to say, ladies, and that is... Go deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.